things that he said. And, you know, you could probably take a whole year doing that, couldn't you? And so we, we just may do that throughout this whole year. How many of you have enjoyed so far what we've, we've just gone back and looked at? And, you know, Jesus won't contradict himself. You can study the epistles. You're getting what Jesus said. But I think it's good to go back and just look at, look at the words of the Lord. Now, last time, because uh, uh, Tony Cook was here last week, but the time before that, we talked about Jesus on hell. You know, and that, you know how many of you know hell's real? Is that right? It really is. But today, in the next several weeks, let's talk about Jesus on heaven. What did he say about heaven? And, uh, uh, you know, we just read that heaven is a place, isn't it? It's a place where you can lay up treasure. There's no malls in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? No malls. No rust. No thieves. It's a place of... Now, we, we noted last time, when we talked about hell... We notice, remember, the, that, that rich man went to hell, but Lazarus, the beggar, he went what we'd call to paradise or Abraham's bosom or heaven, you could say. And it was a place of comfort. And you need to realize heaven is a place of comfort. It's, it's really, it's a wonderful place. And uh, notice John 14, 2. John 14, 2 says this. John 14, 2. Jesus said, my, now, now he said here, in my father's house are many what? Many mansions. And the actual word there is dwellings, but, but uh, mansions, that's a good word. And, uh, and he said, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So heaven's a real place. You need to realize that heaven is a real place. It, it's, it's, it, it is a real, real place. It's actually more real than here upon the earth. Uh, I know I watched Casper the Friendly Ghost growing up. You ever watch that? And you get to thinking, you know, heaven's going to be like that. Or you see the commercials where somebody's floating around on a cloud. And, you know, you think that that's what heaven is. But that's not what heaven is at all. Heaven is just like, like the earth. It just, it's just like the earth, only it's a whole lot better. And I like the way the Living Bible says this. We don't have the Living Bible on the, on the projector. But uh, Jesus said this, there are many homes up there where my father lives. Many homes up there. And, uh, and so you need to realize heaven is a real place. Now there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians, we won't turn there, but I'll just quote it. It says, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. How many of you love Jesus? Do you love him? So I mean... He's prepared some great things. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. We just read that. He said there's many homes or many mansions up there in heaven. And, but that, that scripture where, where it says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man the things which God prepared for those who love him. But then the next verse says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And you, you can see that as you look at the words of Jesus... Jesus, as we'll see in a moment when we get into a couple of his parables on heaven, Jesus is not as descriptive of heaven as to what it looks like so much as he tells us how it operates. But you can go other places in the Bible, particularly in the epistles and some places in the Old Testament, and and Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, has described to us what heaven is looks like or what it's actually like up there. And so I went through the Bible some years ago and I just seemed good to just kind of just take a moment and just briefly list for you some of the 
things that, the, that, that even though Jesus didn't specifically say that heaven looked like this himself as he taught, he told us more of how it operates than what it looks like. But here's some things that I found from the Bible about heaven. Would it be okay if I, if I just briefly shared some of these with you? Because people want to know what's heaven like. It's a place of beauty. It's a place of beauty. There's mountains in heaven. And there's valleys in heaven. There's gardens in heaven. There's streets of pure, transparent gold. And there's every kind of precious stone that you could imagine. There's no night there, no darkness, and there's no shadows. You know, in this room, you can look around, there's shadows, right? No shadows in heaven. I think that's one of the things we'll be shocked with as much as anything, because we're so used to shadows. There are no shadows. No shadows. The Bible says that there's a river there with the water of life in it, and it's, it's clear as crystal. Uh, I believe it, it looks like actual liquid diamonds. Uh, ab- absolutely beautiful. Uh, there's trees in heaven, and there's a tree of life. There's fruit in heaven. We'll be able to eat in heaven. Jesus, remembering his glorified body, he ate fish with the disciples, didn't he? Didn't he? Uh, we know that there's horses in heaven, so I, I tend to believe there's animals in heaven. There's no pain or sorrow or death. Now, that's good. We're going to know other people in heaven. The Bible's clear on that. It's a place of family. It's a place of family. The Bible talks about the family of God name that's in heaven and in earth, you know. Uh, So if you're born again, if you know Jesus, you're part of a family. And part of us are still on the earth here, right? Those who believe on the Lord and those who have already died in Christ, believing in him, they've gone to heaven. And it's a place of family. Now, it's not a place of marriage. Remember, Jesus said that, that in the resurrection or talking about, you know, eventually in heaven that we're, there's ne- we're, we're neither married nor given in marriage. Remember that? Is that right? And, and, but, but it is a place of family. And, you know, just, you know, walk with God. You get to know God. God's a good God. And I'm convinced. I mean, why would he want me not living close by to Diane? That'd be a good deal, wouldn't it? Yeah. Except I won't have to mow the grass. That'll be wonderful. I don't know if the angels take care of that. I, I, I imagine the grass probably just doesn't even grow. I don't know. But there again... We might have to tend and keep some things because, you know, didn't he put Adam in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it? Yeah. So, you know, we might be. I, you know, I know this. When, when Mike Shepard uh, preached my mom's funeral, my mom's in heaven. Praise God, she's born again. But he said, uh, when, when he said, I go to prepare a, a place for you, we just read that. He brought out, Mike Shepard brought this out, that that word place means purpose. And, and, you know, you see this in people as they grow old, a lot of times they lose their purpose in life. You ever notice that? I know my mom, she had purpose and she always wanted to work and be busy and doing stuff. And as she got older, she couldn't do that. He brought this out at her funeral. He said that, you know, now she's gone to heaven and he, he went to prepare a place or a place of purpose for her. And isn't it good to know when people go to heaven, they're going to have purpose we're going to have purpose. We're, we're, going to be, we're not going to just be floating around on a cloud, but it, heaven is a place. It's a busy place. There's things to do up there, you know. And, and when people have lost their 
purpose. Christians lost their purpose here upon the earth. They go to heaven. They again have purpose. I mean, that is not wonderful. That, that's worth going to heaven just for that, you know. Place of purpose. Um, the place of family. Uh, one thing that I'll say about heaven is they're not concerned with natural things. They're concerned about spiritual things. For example, when a sinner repents, doesn't the Bible say, Jesus brought out that when a sinner repents, that there's great rejoicing in heaven. Is that right? It's a place of joy. Angels are there. Actually, the Bible talks about the tallest mountain in heaven. It has the holy city known as New Jerusalem. And uh, it's it's located in in the far sides of the north, the Bible says, the highest point in existence, I believe. And it's where the throne of God is. And the throne of God is inside the city of heavenly Jerusalem. And it, it, it's a massive city. A massive city. You see, heaven, I believe heaven is, is, is just like earth. I mean, and there's cities here on the earth. Is that right? And, and, and the greatest city of all in heaven is, is known as heavenly Jerusalem or New Jerusalem. And that's where the throne of God is. And the Bible talks about it's surrounded with a great wall. Or, and it's in the shape of a square. And each, each, side, each, each side of the wall, there's, there, there's one wall that goes around in shape of a square. On each side, there's a northern side, southern side, eastern side, western side. There's, there's three gates on each side. So altogether, there's 12 gates. And the Bible says that each of those gates are made out of a single pearl. I mean, think of, you know, the old joke is, think about the oyster, you know. But, I mean, a massive pearl. And there's an angel at each gate, the Bible says. And those angels are there because no sin can enter that place. No sin can get in there. But, I mean, heaven is an awesome, 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 awesome place. And, and God's throne is there. There's a rainbow about the throne. There's a sea of glass in front of the throne. There's living creatures around the throne. It's like seraphim or angelic beings. They've got eyes all around. The Bible says all around their heads. So that, you know, you really could use that teaching junior high, I'll tell you for sure. (laughs) But they're there to guard the throne of God, you see. I mean, just talking about this, I mean, heaven is wonderful. It's a wonderful place. Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand. It's a place of service. We've kind of alluded to that. We're serving others there. And the Apostle Paul said that he was caught up to the third heaven. Remember that? Remember him saying that? Now, there's one heaven, but he said the third heaven. The first heaven is the atmosphere. The second is the, is the stars. I kid, kiddingly say where Captain Kirk is, you know, and, and Picard. And then beyond that is in the spirit realm, there's, there's the, what's known as the third heaven. Not three heavens, one heaven. But you understand, I just explained it, where the throne of God is. And, and, he, and he said, Paul said this when he went to heaven. He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Did you know when, when, you, when a person dies, they can't, tell that, they can't tell really any difference. They just know something has changed. They're not in their body anymore. We showed you last time, does your spirit body have a finger? Does it have a tongue? Can you speak? Eyes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe your spirit fits inside your body just like your hand would fit inside a glove. And when you, when you, we see when you die, you just, your spirit just comes out of your body. If you're born again, if you know Jesus, you go north to heaven, you see. We just talked about it. And if you're not saved, unfortunately, then you go down, the Bible says, into hell. And, and, and nobody has to go there. Because you can receive Jesus and miss it. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. 
And, and, and that's good. But uh, he, he said, whether in the body or out of the body, I could not tell. He said, such a one that was caught up in the third heaven. And, and he saw things and, he, and he, he heard things. Specifically, as the Bible says, he heard things that he just could not put into words. He just could not put into words. Heaven is a place of worship. It's a place of music. It's a place of singing. Uh, the other night, I, I'm 51 years old, and I, I, I don't get very many dreams or you know, visions, things like that, but once in a while. And the Lord, I, the Lord gave me, a, in my dream, He gave me a glimpse of heaven. I'm telling you, it was just it was so real. Now, I won't get into the details of it, but all I will tell you is this. Ne- I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was just a glimpse. It was just a glimpse. Just a gl- I've never seen anything like it in my life. Beautiful. Uh, just, 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 just beautiful. Anyway, but the thing about it was that the, the music and the worship was so, I, I'd call it the anointing, but people that don't understand it, that it, it, it was so sweet. It, the power of God, it was so sweet. And, and here's, here's the thing. Uh, you know, have you ever heard uh, uh, people that have had those, those, those out-of-body, you know, those, those, where they come close to death and, or they've died and their spirits come back, you know, they went to heaven. You know, one thing they've all said, they said, they said I didn't want to come back. Have you ever heard any of them say that? Well, I'll tell you what, the half hasn't been told on that. Because in my dream, I, I, and I very seldom share anything like this, but I didn't want to come back. I said, I did not want to come back. I did, and I remember when I came back. I'm, I'm not saying God took me. To, I'm not saying that. He just gave me a glimpse of it. And I said, but I remember going up. And it was beautiful, just beautiful. And, and, and I didn't want to leave. I remember coming back and just crying in my sleep because I had to leave there. I tell you what, heaven is a real, 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 real. I just got a glimpse of it. But real. And I tell you, I did not want to come back. Didn't want to come back. I love my wife with all of my heart. I didn't want to come back. Got everything to live for here on the earth. I didn't want to come back. Oh, it's beautiful up there, guys. It's beautiful. And, and, and I think the Apostle Paul said it best. He said it's far better. It's far better. Really, I'd say far better. Oh, yeah, it's far better. So there's some, descript- some descriptiveness of what heaven looks like and, and so on. But let's, let's just, the time we have left, let's get in and look at what Jesus told us. We'll just get into to some of them here today, and we'll, as the weeks go, we'll cover them more. But he told us through his parables how, how the kingdom of heaven operates. Now, you know what a parable is. I've told you before, but I'll tell you again. It's a simple story that draws a comparison between the natural realm and the spirit realm. It's a natural story showing a spiritual truth. And in each parable, our story that Jesus gives, what you need to do is try to get one simple central meaning out of what Jesus said in that parable. When you try to make every word in a parable mean something, you get into trouble. You want to look for the central, the central meaning, simple central meaning of what uh, 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 Jesus was trying to get across to us. Okay, so let's go now. Now, now, now let's go real fast. To uh, Luke uh, uh, 17 and verse 20 in the Amplified Bible. Luke 17 verse 20. Because before we get into the parables, I want to just show you this scripture here to let you know uh, why these parables are relevant to us here on the earth. Somebody said, well, why, you know, Pastor Terry, why are we going to be studying about, about how heaven operates? How does that affect us here? <clears throat> you need to see this. Luke 17, 20, Amplified Bible. Asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus, he, Jesus replied to them saying, The kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display. 
nor will people say, look, here it is, or see, it, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. Where? In your hearts. And where else? Among you, surrounding you. So yes, there's a real place known as heaven. We just described that to you. But you need to realize that when you receive Jesus as your Savior and you get born again, that the kingdom of God is, is in you and it's among us and we're operating. Doesn't the Bible say that we're ambassadors for Christ? So, so we're, an ambassador represents the, the nation they're sent from. So, 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 and didn't Jesus say, didn't he pray one place? He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So these principles that we're going to read about, yes, they, they function in heaven, all right, but, but they operate here upon the earth as well as we operate as, as citizens. Aren't we citizens of the kingdom? Doesn't the Bible say we're seated with Christ in heavenly places? So, you know, yes, we're here on the earth, but we have a heavenly citizenship and these principles, uh, we need to look at them because they function here upon the earth as well. So let's let's look at Matthew 13 and let's get into some of these parables now. Matthew 13, 31, Matthew 13, 31. Let's first look at the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the mustard seed. Matthew 13, 31. Now, you can find Mark also talked about this and Luke talked about it. But let's just look at Matthew's account because uh, I think that probably gives us the best thrust of what, what Jesus is trying to get across to us. He says, the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 13, 31, New King James. The kingdom of heaven is like a what? A mustard seed. Now, that's a real, I think that's about the tiniest seed that there is. Tiniest seed that there is. The mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. Well, Jesus just, I mean, I'll take his word for it, won't you? But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So when you have that little seed, can you imagine birds coming and building nests and whatnot in the branches? Can you imagine that? Not when it's that little bitty seed. But when that little bitty seed is planted and it's given time to grow, it becomes a great tree that the birds of the air can come and nest in its branches. What's the central truth? What do we learn about the kingdom of heaven from this? Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Things in the kingdom of heaven operate like seed planted in the ground. Things start out small and then grow to be great. Now, that's what you need to get out of that parable. He's telling us, he's not describing what heaven looks like here. He's describing us how it operates. Things in the kingdom of heaven operate like seed planted in the ground. Things start out small and then grow over time to be great. Now, he gives us more on this. If you go to Mark 4, there's another parable. It's called the parable of the growing seed. See, this was the parable of the mustard seed. But now let's look at the parable of the growing seed. 
Because we'll get, we'll get something else here. <clears throat> now, in the kingdom of heaven, do things start out big or do they start out small? They small and, uh, and they grow to be great. Okay? Now, we'll get something else from this next parable. Mark 4.26. And he, Jesus, said, The kingdom of God... Now, is there a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? No, there's not. Same thing. Small wars have been fought, saying, well, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are different. I believe they're the same. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Now, if you're taking notes... You ought to, or if you got a marker there or something, you ought to mark that in your Bible. You ought to underline that or highlight that. He himself does not know how. And should sleep by night, rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crop, I'll come right back to that. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. But, but notice this. He himself does not know how. Have you ever just, how many of you are gardeners? You kind of garden. And, and you've ever planted something. You put it in the ground. And you go out there the next day. Do you usually see anything? How about the next day? No. goes back to that parable we just talked about. You don't see anything right away. But after a while... What happens? You start to see something sprouting up. Is that right? Is that correct? Do you know how that works? I don't know how that works. There's something that God put in, put in the earth, put in the ground that causes that to work. Is that right? Is that right? Now, I don't know how it works. But I just know that it does. And that's something you need to understand about the kingdom of God. Now notice this here. Notice verse 26. Did the man have to do anything? Yeah, what did he have to do? He had to scatter the seed. Is that right? Okay. And then he'd sleep by night and rise by day. In those first few days or whatever, he didn't see anything. Now, the Bible didn't say that, but we know that from experience. Is that right? He just going to bed and getting up. But then eventually, the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. You need to understand this about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is that we have a part to play. We have things that we have to do, like scattering the seed. There's things we have to do. But then... There's things that happen that we don't know how it works. We just know that it does. That's God's part. You see, we have a part to play, and then God has a part to play. We have to do what we can do, and then He does what He does, and I don't know how all that works. For example, you know, how many uh, times a day did He tell the Israelites to circle Jericho? He said, once a day for six days, and on the seventh day go seven, and then blow the... Trumpet and then shout. Is that right? And then the walls would fall. Did the walls fall? Now, did they have to obey God? Did they obey God? 
And now, now, did the walls fall? Yeah. How does that work? I don't know. God did his part. Is that right? I just know they had to do their part. Remember Naaman the leper? He came to the prophet of God. He came to uh, Elijah, I guess it was, or, or Elisha, Elisha. And uh, long story short, he told him to go dip in the Jordan, I think it was, seven times. Is that right? So did he have to go obey what the man of God said? Yeah. Could he go to just any river he wanted to go to? No, he had to go to Jordan. And then he dips one time, two times, three times, nothing. You know the story, four, five, six. But after the seventh time, he comes up and he's totally clean. Now, how does that work? I don't know how that works. But I just know that it does. God does his part. We have to do our part. How do you put a man like Daniel in the lion's den with those hungry lions and he makes it all night and not gets eaten up? Well, I don't know how that operates. I know God sent his angel. God did his part. Is that right? And shut the lion's mouth. Is that right? I don't know how some of these things operate. You know, how, how do you put three men in a fiery furnace and they don't get burned up? I don't know how that works other than I, I know Jesus showed up, the fourth man. Is that right? Is that wonderful? So, so, so I don't know. And again, I refer to this a lot of times and people get angry because they think that. But how many has ever watched The Wizard of Oz? Okay. I'm, I'm not demonic because I've watched that. Okay. But remember at the end when the wizard's going up in that balloon, it, it gets loose and he's going up and they're saying, come back, come back, come back to the earth. Remember, come back. And he, what does he say? He says, I don't know how it works. How many? I mean, he's not, he wasn't a very good wizard, was he? But he didn't know how it worked. Is that right? He said, I don't know how this works. We just know that the balloon went up because it had hot air in it. Is that right? And so the thing of it is, with the kingdom of God, just know this. And here's the central truth. Let me read you the central truth of this growing seed. Man must do his part and plant the seed and obey, obey God, obey the word. God's part is set in place and will automatically cause the seed to grow if it's planted. Don't try to figure out how the things of God will happen. Just trust him that they will. I don't know. I mean, did you know tithing makes absolutely no sense? I don't, I don't hardly say anything about money around here. I haven't for 20 some odd years. I talk about it from time to time. But tithing makes absolutely no sense, does it? To the natural mind, does it make, it doesn't make any sense to me. It makes absolutely, how can you give 10% away? I, I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. But I know my wife and I have tithed for years and years and years. And, and sometimes, and I'm a math, uh, an old math teacher, sometimes I look at the numbers and I just, I mean, I can't believe how they're adding up. But, but there's increase and I don't understand. I don't know how. Well, I, I, I've given up a long time ago trying to figure it out. I just obey God and the blessing comes. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? I, I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't know how it works. I don't know. I mean, we talk about healing. I mean, you know, we're healing ministry here. And, 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 and uh, uh, I mean, we've seen over the years, I mean, where, where the Lord's directed us at times. You know, I remember one guy here had fibromyalgia. He was sitting right over in this area here. And the Spirit of God directed me, just go over and slap him. And I went over and slapped him and said, be healed in the name of Jesus. And the next day he comes in and testifies he's healed. Now, how does that, I don't know how that works other than I just have to obey God. And it, it takes faith. 
It takes a whole lot of faith when the Spirit of God directs you to go slap somebody. You better be sure you heard from God. Now, it didn't hit him real hard, but we, you know. But he got healed. How does that work? I don't know. And we could give you one story right after the next on that. I don't know how it all works. But thank God it does. Amen? So just obey God, whatever he's told you to do. Be sure it lines up with the written word of God. And then, and then obey him. Step out. Do what he said do. And, uh, and then do what this guy did. He went to, he, what did he do? He went to bed and went to sleep. Is that right? We just read that. Is that right? Didn't he go? And then he got up the next day. Go about your daily affairs, you know. Don't worry about it. And, and you do your part. And then uh, God will do his part. Did you get anything out of that? So do we have to plant the seed? Does it start out small or large? Small. And, uh, and then we let God do his part. And, uh, and in the process of time, we don't have to under, you don't have to understand all of how God operates. Because this is one thing I've seen over the years that people, you know, they'll get direction from the Lord. They'll, they'll step out and they'll do it. And then they'll start wondering, well, how's it? And I'm the worst in the world of this. My wife will tell you, how's this going to work? How's it going to work? How's it going to work? How's he going to do it? How's he going to do it? Now, I am better than I used to be. How's it going to happen? How's it going to work? How's it going to happen? How's it going to work? How's it going to work? How's he going to do it? How's God going to do it? How's he going to do it? How's he going to do it? Now, I'm better than I, than I used to be. How many can relate to me on that? It was horrible. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a whole lot better now than I used to be. A whole lot better. But I needed to hear this parable, didn't I? He himself does not know how. Just you do what you can do and then let God do what only he can do. Is that right? And things will go a whole lot better. Your life will be a whole lot better. <laughs> No reason staying awake at night worrying about it. God knows I've done that a whole lot, and it hasn't, hasn't helped at all. Just made me feel bad and kept Diane up, you know. You getting anything? Well, I tell you what. Um, let's, uh, let's go on and uh, just a little longer here. You're a good, mature group. You can take a little more. Matthew 13. Let's go there. Let's, let's, uh, let's conclude talking about the parable of the tares. The parable of the tares. Or we could say weeds. Weeds. Matthew 13, 24. Now, this, this one is not in the other gospel accounts, just in Matthew. Let's see if we can learn something else about how the kingdom of God operates. <coughs> and then we'll close. Matthew 13, 24. <coughs> Excuse me. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. See, the kingdom of heaven is like. He's not describing us to us what it looks like, but how it operates, how it functions. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Well, there he's, he's sowing, we're talking about sowing seed. Kingdom of heaven works on this seed, time, and harvest principle. He sowed good seed. While he slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, it's interesting. How many of you know the difference between a plant and a weed? Boy, that, that, got, that got him going there. Because you see, I don't, I'm not real good. And I can tell the difference between a rose that's in full bloom and an old dandelion. I can do that. 
I can do that with the best of them. But there's, there's times, you know, there'll be Diane. Now, she'll have us out weeding, you know. And she'll have me at home weeding or whatever. And, and I'll, I have done this. I'll have to call her over this. And now, do I kill that one or do I let it live? Because I don't know. I can't tell. Is it real or, well, like Tony Cook said last week, is it live or is it Memorex? You know, is it real or is it, is it, is it a weed? How many of you, have, can you relate to that? Uh, some of you gardeners, you, you know all, all that. But I don't. I can't tell the difference. I, I, I don't know. We... Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> it's funny when my mom was still here on the earth and, and Diane's stepmother-in-law, her stepmother-in-law, she knows, see my mom was an old farmer. You know, I say that with all due respect. You know, I'm a farmer. She's a farmer. I don't mean, when I say old farmer, I don't mean that disrespectfully. She's a farmer, you know. And she'd just call the, 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 the plants and things by their names, you know, what I'd know them by. But Diane's stepmother-in-law, she knew all of the scientific names. And my mom would say, you know, this is a whatever it was. And then she'd give the scientific name. And my mom never knew what she was talking about. I never knew what she was talking about. I don't even hardly know what their regular names, much less a scientific name. <clears throat> but it's hard for me to tell the difference between a weed and a, and, a, and a real plant. Now, why did I go through all that? It's interesting as you study into this here, and I think it's necessary to understand. That's why I took the time with it. The enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. I, I like the way the Amplified says it. Maybe, I wonder if we could, if we could put the verse 25 up. In, in, yeah, there it is. So when the plant, yeah. But while he was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed, this calls it Darnell. Now, I don't know what Darnell is. I don't know what Darnell is. Is that the scientific name or is that, who knows? Let, let's just go on. But, but notice this next part is what? Weeds resembling wheat. So the wheat was planted. The good wheat was planted. The enemy came in and sowed something that, here's the point I want you to get. It didn't look, it didn't look totally different. It, it was counterfeit. When a counterfeiter counterfeits something, you want to make it look as much like the real thing as you can. That's the thing I got out of this from studying this time is that these, these, it, wasn't, it wasn't as easy to see, well, this is a good plant and this was a weed. These things looked a whole lot alike. You need to realize that, and this has been true throughout the last 2,000 years, but it's even more so true now in the time in which we live. Guys, there's a lot of counterfeit stuff going on out there that's parading itself as Christianity than it really isn't. And, and some of those things, they just thrive and thrive and thrive and just the, the fl people flock to them. And they look real. They sound real. They smell real. You know what I'm talking about? But they're just as counterfeit as can be. The motives are wrong. And, 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 and sometimes I just, I'll, I'll look and I'll watch certain things and, and certain, you know, Preachers, as they'll teach, and they'll what, and, and, you, and just it's just not, it, and it's so close. Oh, we've got to be so careful. It's, I'm not here to be judgmental, but it's so so close to the real. Is a, it, look, is a counterfeiter going to counterfeit a nine dollar bill? There's no real ones, right? They're going to try to counterfeit that ten. Is that right? Are they going to counterfeit the hundred and two dollar bill? There are no hundred two dollar, but there's a hundred dollar bill. They're try to. Are they going to counterfeit a forty eight dollar bill? going to counterfeit the what? The, 
50. They're going to try. And that's what you need to get out of this is these, these weeds were just, they're just, you couldn't hardly, even an expert couldn't hardly tell the difference. But God's an expert, isn't he? Now watch this. When the grain had sprouted, verse 26, back to the New King James, when the grain had sprouted and, pop, and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? Now learn something here. Do you want us to go and destroy them right now is what they're saying. The, 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 the tares, this counterfeit stuff. Now watch this. He said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Did you ever want God to just deal with an evil situation right now? Just God, why don't you just wipe it out right now? Have you ever wanted that besides me? God, why don't you just deal with that right now? Why don't you just wipe all the evil off the earth right now? Why don't you just wipe that counterfeit thing out right now? Lord, why don't you just do that right now? We should be glad that he doesn't do it right now, because if he did it right now, it would hurt us. It would hurt other people that are endeavoring to be right and real. Did you hear what I just said? Boy, that answers a big question for me. It answers a big question for me. It helps me. Does it help you? See, how many ever said like me, God, just deal with that evil situation right now? Have you ever said, have you ever said just do it right now? But he knows better than us. And if he dealt with it right now, and what verse was that again? He said, uh, said to him, sir, do not sow seed. Verse 20, where was that? Enemies. 29. He said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. See, God knows better than we know. There's a whole lot he knows that we don't know. Just let God take care of it. You just keep being real and serving him. Just be wheat and don't be a tear, okay? Don't be a Darnell, whatever that is. There's nobody named Darnell in here, is there? Can I tell you a joke? I got to do it. Darnell's definitions, we had those when I was teaching junior high, and this kid brings in this list as Darnell's definition. And Darnell was the, was the kid's name. There's about 20, 30 of them. And he was supposed to say the word, use it in a sentence. I showed these to her dad one day, and he just—he doesn't hardly laugh too much, and he's on the floor laughing. I'll just tell you one. There's about <clears throat> Darnell was—he was supposed to say the word, use it in a sentence. So, 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 so the word was was. I'm sorry, I know it's church, but it's okay. The word was urinal. Urinal. I don't know, just hold on. So Darnell says, okay, urinal. He said, the other day I was at my apartment, and there was a knock on the door, and it was the police. And the police said, Darnell, open up. You're in a lot of trouble. Good. Funny, huh? I'm almost done here. Did you get it? 
It's hilarious, isn't it? And Bob Schmidt, he's over there. He's not laughing, but it's tearing him up on the inside. <laughs> okay. Our, what verse was I on? All right. Yep, read the wheat with him. He said, let them grow together until the harvest. And at the, at the time of the harvest, I'll say to the reapers, first gather together tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Did you get anything out of that? Just, just don't be concerned about the counterfeit stuff. Just stay real. Just mind your own business. Look at verse 36, Matthew 13, 36. Jesus explains this, and then, and then we'll close. Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares. He answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field's the world. The good seeds are the son of the kingdom. Isn't it good to get an explanation from Jesus? But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they'll gather out, his, out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice, notice, practice lawlessness, practice sin. And will cast them into the furnace of fire. There'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. See, that's hell. We don't want to have to fool with that. And go there. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He has ears to hear. Let him hear. Do you have ears to hear? Yes. Praise God. And I won't take the time, but if you, if you want to look it up, it's the, the parable of the dragnet. He basically gives the same lesson. That's in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 47. What's the central truth of the tares and then the dragnet where he was catching, you know, gathering fish? Same principle. It's this. The wicked will ultimately, listen to this, the wicked will ultimately be dealt with at the end of the age. And if God were to eliminate all evil now, it would do great damage to the righteous. So, amen. Did you get anything? Learn anything? All right, well, we'll pick up with these next week. Hey, stand with me if you would. Praise God. Isn't Jesus wonderful?